My TV never left the Weather Channel. Yeah, the week that she was brewing out in the sea. Yeah, but I was on the ball, just stacked up against the wall. Was bottled water, candles, and MREs. You know, the first thing that we lost that day was power. I didn't finish hearing Buffett singing. And the water got so damn high, I watched my truck float by. Lord, I'm glad I switched to Geico just last week. But old Jim Cantore knows them hurricanes. Not just the ones that drink down in New Orleans. If you see him in your hometown, you better make for higher ground. Yeah, the weather always seems to blow his away. Take it away, Kyle. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Songlines and Tan Lines podcast. A place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is greatly appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. A quick sidebar, something not related to the podcast, but something that's been banging in my brain for a bit. Do you guys worry about using Bluetooth headphones? I know, random question, but I bet a lot of you listening are like me. Grab your favorite Bluetooth headphones, turn on a great podcast, hopefully mine, and off you go. Recently, I have started to worry about the safety of these devices. I still plan to use mine, but I might start cutting back on how long I use my earbuds for. Like I said, this is nothing podcast related. Just thought I would throw out that question in case you have thoughts on it or concerns like me. Or you can reach me is in the show notes. All right. What you heard to open the episode was a song called The Battle of Jim Cantori. Matt Hoggart is the singer, the guy who coined the song Dear Jimmy Buffett. And I think, if memory serves, that song won Matt some kind of contest. Buffett heard it, made his own version about Matt, and the rest is history. It's from the album Hotter Than Fish Grease, released in 2012. Let me now go ahead and dive into the real reason why you are here, the music of Jimmy Buffett. And the album I'm diving into is one of the forgotten albums, the folk albums, the pre-beach albums, called High Cumberland Jubilee. Here's some information about that album from Wikipedia. High Cumberland Jubilee is the second studio album by American popular music singer and songwriter Jimmy Buffett. It was produced by Travis Turk, recorded in 1971, and initially released in 1976 on Andy Williams' small Barnaby Records label. It was his final album with Barnaby, just before his signing with Dunhill and the recording of his 1973 breakout album, A White Sport Coat and a Pink Crustacean. 
Following the lackluster sales of Down to Earth, Barnaby Records claimed that the Masters to High Cumberland Jubilee were lost. The Masters were finally found and the album was released in 1976 after Buffett's popularity had risen. But the album is still sometimes referred to as Buffett's lost album. Songs recorded for High Cumberland Jubilee were included on various compilations, among many that I've owned, until the album was issued in its entirety on compact disc by Varese Saraband in June 1998. With that knowledge dropped, let me play the first song I want to feature called Ace. always like that one. Hell, I will say that each time I cover a song from his early work, because I truly do, I love this folky Jimmy Buffett sound. Fits him perfectly. I know this music wouldn't have made him the pirate king, and that he had to find his own voice, his own niche, which he did, big time. But still, the songs pre-White Sport Coat are outstanding, and I hope that maybe you will see that too as I dive into each of these albums. And maybe you will give them a shot if you've never given them the time. For some reason, Wikipedia had a lot more information to share about High Cumberland Jubilee than the album that came before it, Down to Earth. Here's a bit more information about this album from that website. It states, a rare original variation as Bend a Little, replacing England, on side two, a repeat from side one, but with a slightly different mix, and Ace replacing Traveling Clean. Also, High Cumberland Jubilee continues to the end rather than fading out as on the standard version of the album. The longer version of High Cumberland Jubilee was used on Before the Beach, and the 1998 re-release of the album contained an additional track High Cumberland Dilemma. All the songs on High Cumberland Jubilee were written or co-written by Buffett, many with Buzz Kaysen. In the Shelter, which originally appeared on this album, was later re-recorded by Buffett, first for 1977's Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, when it was released as a single and in 2002 for the Greatest Hits compilation, Meet Me in Margaritaville, The Ultimate Collection, making it with The Captain and the Kid, one of only two of his songs with three different studio versions. 
Livingston's Gone to Texas, was also re-recorded for the 1974 album Living and Dying in Three-Quarter Time. The version on High Cumberland Jubilee is played faster without country stylings and contains an extra verse not in the 1974 version. Let me now move on to the final song I want to feature, Rockefeller Square. This is a fun one. Peppy and upbeat. Here it is. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking about music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. And stay tuned after the ukulele plays. I will be reading a bit more of the tale of the Golden Pirate. And if you want to support me and this podcast, don't forget to check out my Patreon page. All that information can be found in the show notes. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. Welcome back. Thanks for listening this far. Let's go ahead and get into it. On this map was an image of the good old U.S. of A. Central America and South America. No other place in the world was shown. Just those three areas in their current shape and size. Parson noticed that this particular piece of paper seemed alive, like it was breathing, rising, and lowering as it lay there with a steady, rhythmic beat. The latitudes and longitudes running across it pulsed and moved like ants scurrying back and forth. Was this the blood of the map coursing its way through the latitudes and longitudes? Parson wondered, As he watched, if he took a knife and sliced through them, if they would bleed or would the map scream in pain. The idea of a bleeding, screaming map with howling winds outside was a little too much spooky for him on this evening. So he pushed the thoughts aside. He looked at the cities listed on the map. The cities were marked with dots that looked like diamonds sparkling in the light. 
The names of the cities spread out below these dots in fine black letters. Parson trained his ears to hear noises coming from those cities. It was the sounds of life and people, the sounds of the everyday hustle and bustle that we all go through as we live and breathe. These sounds flowed up from the cities, converged over the map, and then flowed into Parson's ears in one long stream. It had no real rhythm or groove, but it was there. Parson could hear it. He also noticed, as he explored further, that the waters of the Atlantic, Pacific, and the Caribbean were moving, washing onto the shores of the countries listed. He could hear the waves rolling back and forth, as they do every day. The sounds of life on and around the water emanated from the oceans of the map, much like they did from the cities. In the spot where Parsons Town was located, a round circular lighthouse made of hard white stone and concrete appeared. This lighthouse popped up like something out of a child's pop-up book. Light was spinning inside the glass-filled circle, and as it rotated around, it cast a tiny amount of light on the room. While Parson looked at it, this light crawled through the lighthouse's glass and down the circular wall like a light-filled snake. Parson watched as it slithered its way onto the map, into it, and then all the way down to some island in the Caribbean. This island was between Trinidad, Tobago, and the shores of South America. When this light snake reached this island, it flashed out and formed an X. A name appeared on the map below this island in big red letters. Teskio. The ghostly voice of the pirates suddenly filled Parson's ears with this one word, a word that would spark a journey. Treasure. Parson flipped his head around expecting to see the pirate standing behind him. There was no one there. Go, it said this time. Who are you? Go, it said this word again. Parsons stopped looking around the room as another gust of wind tore at the construction of the house. He looked down at the map as the pirate, tiny, not life-size, fitting perfectly, appeared beside the island. It pointed at it and said the two words again, Treasure, go. The pirate evaporated. Parsons got up and walked across the room. He ran his hands through his hair. He blew out a couple of deep breaths. He tried to look away. He stared at it. He didn't know what to do. A gust of wind caught the eaves and worked the nails holding the roof in place. Parson looked to the window and back to the map. The night passed.